Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. And Liz. Yes. Um, I know we have a ton to get to uh, today, um, especially since we've been off the last few weeks, but we've been busy. So we're back. Um, we're back. But wow, to start off, kick off with our 80s nostalgia, this was a big week back in the 1980s. Um, the first cell phone by Motorola went on sale 40 years ago, March 6, 1983. How about that? That's, they were like bricks, right? Weren't they those giant like brick phones? Yeah, were they called brick phones? Probably. They were. Um, March 7, 1985, We Are the World, We Are the Children. That was released. Oh, my gosh. I remember that. That was all over. That was everywhere. Were you a big Tears for Fears fan? Yes, of course I was. Of course you were. Um, Their album, The Hurting, debuted. It's a great album. Great album. Great album. Okay. 1983. (laughs) Speaking of great albums, Milli Vanilli released their Girl, You Know It's True. I'm going to sing. I was also singing it, but I was lip syncing it, so you couldn't hear me. (laughs) Come on, that was great music. I don't care who sang it. It was Um, such a scandal. Like, that was such a scandal to find out. But now, isn't it common for a lot of these? these clowns to lip sync their music when they're performing all the time like the super bowl what's her name totally was lip syncing rihanna rihanna mm-hmm. shine uh, like a diamond anyway 40 years ago march 8th 1983 president ronald reagan called the ussr an evil empire and liz here we wow. are years later and the evil empire is right here in Washington. Everything old is new again, right? <laughs> it's like, it's so retro. It's like, it's like the Americans. Like, did you ever watch that show, The Americans? I think I started to because it, it's based in the 80s, right? It is, so, Julie, it is a fantastic show. All right, and I'm put that on the list of things I'm told to watch but never do. A hundred percent. If you're looking for a great watch, it's, I rewatched the whole series like a year ago. Um, I was such a fan. In fact, true story, um, I went and met the cast not once, but twice. Or I went to an event for the show. The first one was in their first season. Uh, There was an event at the Spy Museum for Capitol Hill staffers. And one of my best friends was um, a chief of staff and she didn't want to go. So obviously I was like, I'm going. And I never go anywhere. So that's how important that was. And then... The last season, they had a huge event towards the end at the museum, which, of course, is gone now. Um, just another example of how these idiots in D.C. are constantly putting up monuments to themselves. There was like a whole like fake museum dedicated to news or fake news. And they had a huge event. The whole cast was there and we screened an episode. There was probably 200 people there. And it was really funny because it was at the height of the Russia collusion hoax. So everyone was kind of making jokes oh, about okay. it. And of course the cast was like, who thought, you know, here we are again, ha ha ha. Cause you know, the premise of the Americans is the two couple are Russian spies, but they're totally Americanized right. and they're spying for Soviet union. So anyway, yes, huge fan of the Americans, great 
And the 80s depiction, and it's great. The cars, the clothes. I mean, it's just so well done. Um, Is it on Netflix or where do you find it? um, I think it's on Amazon Prime. Oh, Amazon Prime. All right. I think so. Um, I'll look for it. It's got to be somewhere. It's one of the most popular shows ever, and rightly so. So that's my two cents on The Americans. Great show. Love it. Okay, now, didn't you have something? I did. Okay. So, on March 8th, which was yesterday, 1983, one of the greatest songs ever was recorded. And that song is Blue Monday by New Order. One of the most greatest songs, shut up, ever. And um, when I saw that, obviously, I follow New Order on Facebook because I am a New Order fan and also Joy Division fan. And, I mean, 40 years, that's just rough. You know, when <laughs> when you oh, remember yes. smoking cloves and like in a seedy, like underage club, you know, bouncing around to Blue Monday. And that was 40 years ago. So, yeah, very sad. Well, wow. now I have hot flashes. So whatever, whatever. It's all good. <laughs> it's all I good. don't even really know what that song is. I think I'll have to look it up. Oh, sure it sounds like Julie, you know that song. If you don't know that Sing song, well, we're not. We, it, we'll, no, no, no. It's the beat. Name that tune. It's the beat. If you don't know that song, we're we're not friends. We're like it's over. Everything's over. We became friends. No, you you do. You know it. It it became it it became very famous in the late eighties, nineties in like clubs clubs, but also it it's it you have heard it. So after the show, I will send you a link, and then next week we will report whether or not Julie knows. One of the greatest songs that ever, ever I'm, was recorded. I'm going to look it up right now. I'm going to play it right now. Before you should. Look it up and play it. How could you? Oh, yeah. Everybody knows that song. It's a great song. That's it. And, you know, the original version, I prefer the 1983 version, but there are, like, a hundred different club mixes of it. And some of them are, like, 20 minutes long. Um, just so many different. It's pretty hard to find the original 1983 version. It's always remastering stuff. So um, it's also on Substance, which is a cult, like a best of New Order album. Okay. I'm playing exactly. it right now. Now I'm beating, rocking out. Wish I wish I smoked cloves. Every time I hear that song, I just want to start smoking the cloves. Um, anyway, so that's my okay. 80s thing. Um Fine. I'll give you, I'll give you that. I think that's important. So, but what we have to talk about today is we are doing the whole hour. I call it J6 of Palooza. We're going to be talking about J6 the whole, the whole hour. We had great numbers on our last show, which is when we interviewed the whistleblower. I'm sure it was all the DOJ people, like all the dot govs accessing our feed. Hey guys. Hey guys. So, Julie, so in the last couple, this week, really, really starting Monday and Tuesday and even yesterday, we got a lot more, J6 stuff got a lot more attention than normal. And when I say normal, I mean Julie Kelly and Darren Beatty, basically, maybe a couple other people, because Tucker Carlson dropped the video that he had gotten from Kevin McCarthy he had gotten, I don't know, he was told, I we we're told he had access to 44,000 hours of all of the video. Now, just a note for people who don't, aren't in politics and don't live in D.C. 
government buildings are the most surveilled video video things in the entire world. So when you're watching a TV show and someone's like, I'm going to give, I'm going to exchange money or information on this jump drive to someone and let's do it at the Lincoln Memorial. Dude, there's like literally a thousand cameras. Why would you do that? Those, everything is highly, highly videoed. So there's 44,000 hours allegedly of, you know, of the J6 stuff, every hallway, outside, anything that, you know, most of it was probably just nothing, like just nothing going on because it's, it's, they're they're just everywhere. Um, But Tucker Carlson and his staff were given access to these videos. And so Tucker's crew for, I guess, a couple of weeks or maybe a month have been going through this, which can't be easy and drop some bombs. So Julie, why don't you tell us about Tucker dropping some truth bombs? So you're right. So the good clarification there. Um, So originally, Capitol Police informed the courts and Department of Justice that they had 14,000 hours of surveillance video that they had turned over to the FBI. They captured the hours between noon and eight o'clock that day. So that is the convenient time slot that the FBI has been using in its investigation now going on 26 months. But in a filing by the Capitol Police, In March of 2021, they indicated also that Congress at the time, House Democrats, had asked Capitol Police to archive the entire 24 hour uh, period of January 6th and I believe even parts of January 5th. That footage has been in the hands of House Democrats since March 2021. Um, And that's what they used clips for the House Impeachment Committee and then also for, of course, January 6th Committee. That is the trove of video that Tucker Carlson's team has had access to over the past few months or weeks, excuse me. It's not that they just turned over the tapes. You can't, it technically belongs to the Capitol Police, which is a part of the legislative branch. So their boss basically is Kevin McCarthy. But at any rate, um, all of this footage has been under very strict protective orders from the very beginning. So you saw the meltdown Um, And before and then, of course, after Tucker presented the first set of clips Monday night. And what did those clips show? And I have a piece on American greatness that kind of embeds what Tucker showed. Um, First of all, he showed footage that the public hasn't seen of people just peacefully milling about in the rotunda, um, sort of walking through hallways, picking things up that had been left on the floor. Um, he showed Jacob Chansley, the so-on, the so-called QAnon shaman, um, who was walking, not just walking, you know, peacefully through hallways, but escorted by numerous Capitol Police officers, who at one point opened a door. It's unclear if that was the door that um, accessed the Senate chambers where he entered and of course was famously photographed because there just happened to be photographers there, right? Who took pictures and then put those on social media the afternoon of January 6th. Um, And so then there was video showing Ray Epps was on restricted grounds for at least an hour and a half. He still remains uncharged. Um, But I think the Jacob Chansley part of it really caught people's attention. Um, Jacob Chansley, 
for he had a terrible lawyer, which you and I have already discussed oh. this morning. I actually called him out in May of 2021 because he basically called the Trump people in January Sixers retarded and short bus people and blamed Donald Trump for their predicament. He um, really didn't forced- he tell didn't he tell Jacob Chansley that that the guy's legal bills were up to like a million dollars. So yes. I guess kind of putting pressure on him like this poor guy who probably doesn't have any money, um, you know, that he's just he's just like. It's like the cash register is just registering like cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching the longer he drew, drew this out. I mean, this guy, he was on Tucker last night. This guy should be this guy should be disbarred. I mean, this this is a tra- travesty of justice, but we can get in. Go ahead, Julie. We can just get into some more of that. He did. And I think William Shipley, who is now represents Jacob Chansley in his, I believe, appeal, um, and hopefully he will seek some other redress, you know, legal redress for what happened to him, because um, it's really tragic. You know, he spent 300 some odd days in solitary confinement. He has mental health issues. Judge Royce Lambert, a Reagan appointee, ordered a mental health evaluation of Jacob Chansley in the summer of 2021, even as he kept him behind bars, Liz, denied him bail. He's a Navy veteran. He has no criminal history. Obviously, he's kooky, but he didn't do anything wrong on January 6th besides walk around a building with police right there who could have arrested him at any time. It also shows how Capitol Police were just kind of standing around inside the building, which we also have video that shows that at numerous locations. They weren't arresting people or warning people to leave or instructing them to leave. They were just walking around because a lot of them are just basically mall cops. But anyway... So well, Jacob, the, the video that we saw of of Chansley wandering around with uh, his police escorts, um, he was by himself. So it wasn't like there was an intimidating group of people. The cops were like that, you know, they couldn't they were out of control because I think the police, the cops were saying, well, we were just trying to calm people down. Right. We didn't want you know, we didn't want to rile them up. But the video we saw from Tucker, he's all by himself with these cops. So. They could have said, hey, sir, can you please leave, you know, or try and they could have even cuffed him or something. You know, it was like two or three cops and just this one guy. So this idea that the cops were just trying to calm things down by what opening yeah. doors for him <laughs> into rooms where he presumably didn't belong. Um, just really, I think people had no idea. They're not following each individual case. And again, the public isn't aren't lawyers, so they don't really know the law and they just don't know the details. They're like, oh, he's in jail. He obviously had a trial and then was found guilty. And they don't really know all of the details surrounding him and certainly not this video, which we learned his lawyers didn't. Well, allegedly, this is what his lawyer said on Tucker last night, that he did not see that video. He hadn't seen the video, which I believe is. Um, according to the Brady rules, you have to the prosecution has to turn over all of the evidence, any exculpatory evidence to the defense. Um, this is a problem that this is has been a frequent problem um, in a lot of cases, not just J6, where the federal government just, you know, in Enron, this happened quite a bit. Sidney Powell's book talks about this happening all the time. So anyway, go ahead, Julie. Sorry for that aside. 
No, it's important. And I think people really are hungry for details now, Liz. So I think it's also important to note that the government repeatedly blew through their discovery deadlines throughout 2021. What one judge said in the summer of 2021, he accused the government of intentionally violating Sixth Amendment rights. And he said, what what is happening here is you're arresting people first, finding the evidence later. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Because they had so much digital evidence, they had to hire, I believe it was Deloitte or someone, um, to build a platform to support all of this digital evidence. Of course, this is the biggest investigation in DOJ history. This is the most recorded event in American history. So they were uploading not only security video, body-worn camera footage from hundreds of police officers, open source video, video that they took off of people's cell phones that they stole, so this is the, this is what they had to do. So there wasn't a platform really throughout 2021 where defense attorneys could access this video. Whatever the government gave them, that's what they got. And there was yeah, no but you know what? But but see, that's not the way. I mean, I'm not arguing with you because you know this, but like that isn't the way our legal system works. Okay, right. You, because this was basically intended to be primarily a spectacle and a political attack and not an actual like process you know a a judicial process that they had to immediately charge as many people as possible they wanted the headlines they wanted the showcase they wanted a big scene which meant that they couldn't actually build a case which would involve going through the video and finding each person who was violent some people were violent but most were not you know, and and pinning actual acts to each of the defendants or the future defendants. But instead, the government, again, like that judge said, they arrested anyone there and then kind of backfilled in the charges. And That's that right. is not how our legal system is supposed to work. Um, it's just not. And I, I, I assume that they got grand ju- they had a grand jury. I guess, and got indictments immediately. And the grand juries in D.C. is like, this is a 99% Democrat city. Everybody works for the government. Right. And that means they're leftists. So, you know, there's probably was no evidence other than they were there, which isn't evidence. Like, that's not criminal. Or I guess it might be trespassing. Um, But that wasn't, that wasn't their plan is to just, they didn't want to just stick with trespassing. They wanted to have more um, like shocking charges to keep it this in the headlines. So I just they had to getting, I just had to they were getting bring up what a perversion of justice this this the process start. has been. So go ahead. They were getting grand jury indictments for conspiracy, Liz, at the end of January 2021, three weeks after the event. They were charging people like Thomas Caldwell, the 65-year-old former naval lieutenant, former FBI. I mean, this is like a stand-up guy. And by the end of January, they had conspiracy evidence against the guy. Like, how did that happen? But it doesn't matter what you put in front of that D.C. grand jury, as you say. It doesn't matter what you put into before a D.C. trial jury. Um, And so now, finally... DOJ, the court system, the media, the January 6th committee are getting their comeuppance for lying, concealing evidence, 
and twisting the narrative of January 6th so much um, that I think I think this week was sort of a, another turning point, don't you? Oh, yeah. Which is why they're desperate, desperate to go after Tucker once again. Um, I saw the- oh, some of the pleadings of Jacob Chan's, like I saw some of the charges, um, his now lawyer, ship whatever, shipwreck crew shipwreck. on Twitter, yeah. um, like had put up some of the the charges against him, some of the the papers, and it is so vague and so nonspecific. And yet this guy was, I mean, you know, imagine you as just a regular American, you don't have a lawyer, you know, in DC, everyone has a lawyer or they know a lawyer, they're married a lawyer, they are a lawyer or their Uber driver is a lawyer, whatever. And so a regular person in the government goes after and you need an attorney. I mean, that's a terrifying prospect and you have no money and you people who are capable of fighting the government, you know, a federal having federal charges against an unlimited uh, bottomless pit of resources. Those lawyers are like a thousand dollars an hour at least. So you, you can't just go to the corner store and get like legal zoom or whatever to be your representation. And it, so your instinct, it, is immediately to just plead and and you know similar to what Brandon Brandon Strock said who when he was on our show was also a victim who um was punished for not even going into the he didn't even go in the capital was you know how much is it going to cost to fight this versus just take a plea to get a misdemeanor and get it over with and many of the defendants were threatened with terrorism enhancements which is like I don't know what, 20 years, an instant felony. I mean, it's a it's just a lot of bullying. So it's just a scary situation. So I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. Go ahead. Go ahead, Julie. Well, it is our joint show. Okay, so fair. Okay, even though I'm the J6 lady, as everyone calls me. But um, so just to finish up on Jacob Chansley, because we have so much to get to. Uh, finally, because he had a horrible lawyer and because he was considered a face of January 6th, um, he finally pleaded to the obstruction felony. Um, he was sentenced to 41 months in prison by Judge Royce Lambert. Shame on you forever for what you did to this man. Um, and so we'll see what happens now. He's, he's set for release, I guess, in a couple of months, you know, for, you know, uh, good behavior. And also he was 41 months. This guy was in, sentenced to f- almost four years. For walking in that building and just wearing a costume that got photographed and, you know, and was sensational. That's what he was was charged for. He said, because the government wanted between 41 and 51 months in jail. And Royce Lambert said, because you were the epitome, that's the word he used of January 6th, and because of your horrific conduct that day, that's when he sentenced him to 41 months, horrific conduct. I hope Judge Lambert watches this. And he's an old man, and I'm I'm not going to say what I hope, but, you know, (laughs) doing this to people, innocent people, troubled people, um, I'm just going to leave it. I'm going to leave it at that because I don't. One would hope that the judge would step in when he was seeing something going sideways with the attorneys, you know, and seeing a defendant not getting proper representation vigorous I believe is what they're supposed to get is like vigorous representation that he did not 
I mean, in the charges against Jacob, see, here's the thing in the charges against him. They're so vague. It's basically that he like walked in to the Capitol with the group of people, some of which in the group were violent. Therefore, dot, dot, dot. He's a violent insurrectionist. That was the, the gist of the, the, the DOJ's position. And the fact that the judge didn't say, I'm sorry, but you you haven't really proven given any evidence of this. You know, you, you have to kind of give some evidence initially. You can't just make charges with no evidence. And the fact that he didn't come in and say, hey, you know, this seems a little serious. Do you have any evidence that he was violent, that he violently broke in, that he vi- he behaved violently when he got in or or um, threatened people? Um, you know, but I guess the, the judge didn't care. I mean, just the judges disgraceful. don't care. The judges do not care. I mean, that's what I said on Tucker the other night. And I said on um, uh, War Room yesterday, you know, we have to start covering what these judges are doing, what they are allowing. They are nothing more than rubber stamp for this DOJ as the government violates, you know, basically every part of the Bill of Rights for these defendants. Um, And so, you know, Jacob Chansley was arrested on January 9th. He was indicted on January 11th, 2021, on obstruction and civil disorder, and then the trespass, normal trespassing charges. How the hell did they get an indictment against this guy on uh, five days later? I mean, think about that, Liz. This is the kind of system these people are dealing with. This is a grand jury indictment handed down five days after January 6th. Civil disorder, obstruction of an official proceeding, entering a restricted building, disorderly and disruptive conduct, violent entry into a Capitol building, parading, demonstrating, and picketing. These are not insignificant charges, right? These are, this is at least two felonies. Five days later, you present the evidence to a grand jury and they sign off on this bill. This is complete. I wonder what the evidence was. I mean, they, theoretically they're supposed to present evidence to get the indictment right that's what you do and you 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 go to a jury and say you know should we proceed you know here's right. our evidence so what evidence did they have but again the jury doesn't care either they I had mean, a complaint i'm looking at his documents they had a complaint signed by an fbi agent and approved by this magistrate judge there's two magistrate judges who keep signing off on this bullshit G. Michael Harvey and Zia, I forgot the last name. This complaint is signed off on January 8th. Two days later, there's a four-page complaint filed by um, special agent. Oh, this is with Capitol Police. How, How did they get this together so fast? And all it has are snapshots of Jacob Chansley, a couple of them walking through the building, then, of course, in the Senate chambers. That's their total evidence. But as we saw in the Tucker clips, Jacob Chansley did not obstruct any official proceeding because nothing was going on at all. He walked into an empty Senate chamber. So, um, Julie, just on the for the time on the timeline, were were people evac had 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 people entered the Capitol before the elect officials the elected officials the senators that whoever was in there was evacuated or like 
how long were people in the building and that this was interrupted? You know what I mean when they say it, it disturbed an official proceeding? So the house, I believe, uh, uh, they recessed at like 212 and the Senate recessed about 220. The first physical breach into the building happened at about 213. Um, so for those people who first entered um, on the by the Senate wing door, and that would include Jacob Chansley, um, I guess you could argue merely by entering and you caused, you know, people to re- Congress to recess. Um, I guess you could argue that, but it's not like he entered a chamber, either House or Senate, where business was going on. And he, you know, used his spear, his flag or his horns to like demand that Congress shut down their their business for the day. Right. Well, And he wasn't one that he wasn't one of the breachers. Right. That was the uh, FBI's boy, Ray Epps. And his his right. helpful. He did, not, he did not break any windows. He did not break down any doors. The doors were open from the inside, and that's where he, while the windows were broken, people jumped through the window and then opened this set of doors. This wasn't the Columbus doors. This was another set of doors where the first people sort of entered. Um, But, you know, Liz, we published open source video that we obtained back in April of 2021 that showed Jacob Chansley very clearly talking to police officers, including this officer, I believe his name is Kevin Robichaud, Talking with him, this is the guy that followed him throughout the building, and he told Jacob Chansley, we have it on tape. We're not against what you're doing. You can protest. You just have to do it peacefully. Don't don't commit any violence. Like, you can do this. And Jacob Chansley took the bullhorn. Remember, we have to protest yeah. peacefully. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess that video didn't get into the defense's hands either. Um, it didn't. I don't know why we posted it in April. But when you have a terrible lawyer like Albert Watkins, who's more interested in doing media hits and, you know, denouncing Trump supporters as retards and blaming Donald Trump for this, then that's what that's what this poor man got. I mean, Jacob Chansley was cut off. I think Shipley um, was uh, did a whole thread on Watkins's malfeasance in this case. And Chansey was basically cut off from everyone. He could only talk to Watkins and maybe his mother because he was incarcerated in a cell 22 hours a day. So he had no idea what was going on. He could only trust Watkins to tell him. So because there's these protective orders on discovery for surveillance video, these defendants, and this is true to this day, Defendants can only view the surveillance video with someone else around, including their defense attorney, a paralegal. They can't watch it on their own. And if you're incarcerated, it's almost impossible for these men to see the evidence against them. Um, This is the system that this vile, reckless, vengeful Department of Justice has set up. So anyway, I think that's we have people move. So let's move on to the response here. And this has caused like a complete meltdown um, in Congress, the media, et cetera. And we saw such an egregious display of being more Marxist authoritarian behavior from our political leaders in Washington, Democrats and Republicans. But Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, hightailed it to the Senate floor on Tuesday morning, probably less than 12 hours after Tucker aired the first clips to denounce Tucker Carlson, Fox News, and demand 
that he be taken off the air Tuesday night and prevented from airing any more footage. This is stunning. We're going to play the clip in full. Last night, millions of Americans tuned in to one of the most shameful hours we have ever seen on cable television. With contempt for the facts, disregard of the risks, and knowing full well he was lying, lying to his audience, Fox News host Tucker Carlson ran a lengthy segment last night arguing the January 6th Capitol attack was not a violent insurrection. By diving deep into the waters of conspiracy and cherry picking from thousands of hours of security footage, Mr. Carlson told the bold-faced lie that the Capitol attack, which we all saw with our own eyes, was somehow not an attack at all. He tried to argue it was nothing more than a peaceful sightseeing tour. Can you imagine? A nonviolent demonstration, a perfectly fine and appropriate instance of people expressing their opinion. I, so many others who were here in the Capitol, and millions and millions of Americans are just furious with Tucker Carlson and Kevin McCarthy today. Many of my staff were here at the Capitol on January 6th. Their lives were put in danger, as were the lives of many of my colleagues, as well as police, maintenance staff, reporters, countless others. At one point, I was within 30 feet of the rioters. Oh, one no. of them, I was oh, no. told, shout out, let's get them. Before my detail pulled me away and we ran in the other direction. To say January 6th was not violent is a lie, a lie pure and simple. I don't think I've ever seen a primetime cable news anchor manipulate his viewers the way Mr. Carlson did last night. I don't think I've ever seen an anchor treat the American people and American democracy with such disdain. And he's going to come back tonight with another segment. Fox News should tell him not to. Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, tell Carlson not to run a second segment of lies. You know it's a lie. You've admitted it's a lie. And Speaker McCarthy is every bit as culpable as Mr. Carlson. Speaker McCarthy's decision to share security footage with Fox looked like a mistake from the very beginning. But after last night, it looks like a disaster. Speaker McCarthy has played a treacherous, a treacherous game by catering to the hard right. He's enabled the big lie and has further eroded away at our precious democracy. When people don't believe elections are on the level, that's the beginning of the end of this bold experiment in democracy that has gone on for more than 200 years. <laughs> it's all the more shameful because Speaker McCarthy knows precisely what kind of customer Mr. Carlson is. He's not surprised by this outcome. What a low point for Speaker McCarthy. What a low point for Fox News. As reporting on the Dominion lawsuit shows, Mr. Carlson had no problem admitting behind the scenes that the big lie is pure garbage. When Sidney Powell went on the air to push the stolen election narrative, Mr. Carlson told fellow anchor, 
anchor Laura Ingram that Sidney Powell is lying. His words by the deposition. Mr. Carlson's own producer texted him that quote, I don't think there is evidence of voter fraud that swung the election. They know, they know full well they've been lying and they're doing it anyway. We all, Americans of all types and stripes and corners of this country, Democrats, Republicans, independents, need to take a stand and call out Mr. Carlson's conduct for what it is, a dangerous, unforgivable attempt to destabilize our democracy and rewrite the history of the worst attack on our constitution since the Civil War. It's an insult to every police officer who's on the scene that terrible, fearful day. It's an insult to the memory of every single person who perished in connection to the attack, especially to the memory of Brian Sicknick. Nonviolent, ask the Sicknick family. It makes me sick just thinking about what his family must be going through this morning. And it's an insult to everyone who cares about our democracy and wishes to preserve the dream of our founders in our day, in our age. I hope every member of this chamber will call out Fox and Mr. Carlson for defending the insurrectionists. And again, I am disappointed and angered in Speaker McCarthy's decision to share sensitive security footage with Mr. Carlson. Speaker McCarthy was here that day. He knows what actually happened. His staff and members suffered like everyone else, but he chose cheap political expediency over truth and preservation of democracy. I condemn Mr. Carlson for siding with the enemies of democracy. I strongly condemn Speaker McCarthy's actions and fiercely oppose his decision to share this footage with Carlson. I urge Fox News to order Carlson to cease propagating the big lie on his network and to level with their viewers about the truth, the truth behind the efforts to mislead the public. Conduct like theirs is just asking for another January 6th to happen. Wow. Oh, my God. I mean, where do you start with that? I mean, that is that is laughable. I mean, there's so much there. I don't even think we could talk about it in an hour. But I do have one important thing to say, which is the First Amendment. What is it? I mean, you have this the Senate majority leader on the floor of the Senate basically demanding a media company censor its content. That is literally the textbook of a First Amendment, like the violation of the First Amendment. The government is literally telling a media company to censor, to, to, to not air material. Absolutely insane. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it, it goes without saying, but let's say it. He's not ordering Tucker Carlson or Fox News uh, to not air this footage because someone made it up. You know, they didn't go to the Capitol and recreate the events of January 6th and make it look like a peaceful, you know, tourist visit. This is legitimate government owned yeah. footage. The only reason he wanted this Tucker taken off the air and no more footage is because it's embarrassing. 
It's embarrassing. The narrative is collapsing. The American people are waking up to the lies that they've been told, the cover up that they've been told. Um, and the idea in the Brian Sicknick issue, it's disgusting how they've exploited this man's death, including his own mother, including his ex-girlfriend who is suing uh, Donald Trump and the two men accused of spraying Brian Sicknick, even though one, the government eventually dropped charges against him for $10 million a piece. I mean, this is how vile these people are. Who's and paying for her lawyer? Like that's you, you, you just to get a real sense of how comprehensive the corruption is. Someone is paying for her lawyer. She is yeah. she's not rich. She's the left is paying for her lawyer to sue Donald Trump. Meanwhile, and we didn't mention this when we were talking about Tucker, but if you didn't watch Tucker, which you should be watching Tucker, um, he had video Brian Sicknick walking around doing work. After we were told he had been murdered by a gang of Trumpaloos with a fire extinguisher. So, and you know, one thing I wanted, yes, right. And so Brian Sicknick's walking around. He died of a stroke. I think he suffered the stroke later that night. He had texted his brother, said he was fine. Um, he suffered a stroke at the age of 42 caused by blood clots. I keep, I asked from the very beginning. Dot, dot, dot. If he, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. We'll leave it at that. We don't want to be deplatformed. Um, <clears throat> but a man named Julian Cater was arrested in March of 2021. He is behind bars. They finally also got a plea deal out of Julian Cater after he spent 18 months in the D.C. Gulag. He pleaded guilty to assaulting a police officer for spraying Brian Sicknick. Even, even the spray, though, even if it hit Brian Sicknick, would not have caused a stroke. Furthermore, we have tons of body-worn camera footage now that show how D.C. Metro Police were out of control, and one guy misfired a 40-millimeter canister of chemical spray that, that hit all of the officers, probably including Brian Sicknick, because he was downstream. The winds were like 18 miles an hour that day. He was downstream of where this chemical spray traveled. So he could have been hit by what I reported on a friendly fire. Julian Cater pleaded guilty. He was sentenced to 71 months in jail. Brian Sicknick's colleagues, mother, father, ex-girlfriend, brother-in-law, um, posted or submitted victim impact statements to the judge talking about how Julian Cater killed Brian Sicknick. And he's going to jail for 71 months, Liz. Think about that. For allegedly spraying a cop. With pepper, with a small thing of pepper spray. That's that does that just doesn't here. happen. Well, in D.C., they let murderers out, right? I mean, yesterday here we just had a press conference from the some D.C. cops saying the average murderer has been arrested twelve times before they're like murder. So, right. it's, I mean, it's such a disconnect. So that's like six years for this guy. Again, this is another case where an instance where the government did not prove its case. Right. They didn't put out evidence because we have evidence to the contrary. Now, whether that evidence was available to, to Cotter's legal team or if they even knew about it, I think that's that stems again from the whole method of we're going to arrest everybody and find a crime for them where they don't have evidence. So they can't even know what the evidence is, either uh, is exculpatory or incriminating. Nobody even knows that they don't even need it. I mean, that's basically the the field that they're playing on. So 
But this, I think the Sicknick video also pissed people off. But I will say this, and I don't know, I don't know much about the Sicknick family, but I'm almost certain that they were basically like threatened, like you jump on the train with us, or you're not going to get survivor benefits. Like there are hefty benefits for That's people right. who die on the job. Line of line of duty benefits that they did give to one man who killed himself a few, another officer who killed himself a few days later. And the wife argued that it was line of duty death because he was so traumatized by January 6th and they, and he was given, she was given death benefits. Who knows why he was traumatized? Maybe he was traumatized because he realized that the government set him up by not, you know, like set these, these cops right. on duty up and he was so distressed. I mean, we know from some of the whistleblowers that nobody was answering um, the call, their calls for help. The chief of police, the DC, I think the head of the Capitol Police, she was a police, head of police at Berkeley now, Yogalanda, whatever. She, No one answered their calls. And these guys are in distress and nobody answered their calls. So, so maybe that's why he killed himself. I mean, this is just. This is obviously so clearly part of a, a narrative and mm -hmm. a fable. And Chuck Schumer, who obviously didn't write that speech because he's just he didn't write that. His idiot staffers did. There's so many lies in that speech. Tucker Carlson never said that it was peaceful. He never said there wasn't any violence. That's not the point. You know, I mean, and the, the sad part is that there are so many midwits in this country who will only see the headlines that come from Chuck Schumer's speech and have no idea what Tucker showed. And they're just going to go along their merry way. And those people are probably on the grand juries in DC. Well, let's flip because there's so much uh, happening. Um, and then I know that Benny Thompson, the chairman of the J6 committee, told a reporter yesterday that he was not aware that any January 6th members even looked at the surveillance video. But that was all done by staffers and investigators. Now, that committee, unlike our committees, <laughs> i.e. the weaponization committee, the January 6th committee was heavily staffed, including, I think, at least a dozen former federal prosecutors. So you have the same clowns from this Department of Justice, or used to be, who were looking at the surveillance video, probably with the ABC News uh, TV producer that they hired, pulling these clips together. So that was another thing that he admitted, which he thinks that it makes them look virtuous. It makes them look like the frauds that they are. Oh my God, so, they look like idiots. They're like, well, we didn't, we didn't ourselves we look, didn't at look at any of the that. video. I was right. like, are you a puppet? Who's got your their hand up your ass, moving your mouth, you idiot? that you didn't even know. But to be honest, I mean, they they didn't know. I mean, that comes as no surprise if anyone's familiar with the way things work on Capitol Hill. These elected officials are too busy dialing for dollars to actually, they're not like sitting in front of a typewriter typing out legislation or anything or reading legislation or anything like that. They're basically fundraising or, you know, hanging out at the monocle down on Capitol Hill. Um, but so it does make them look even stupider than, um, than normal. And I don't know anyone on the right that gives credence to Chuck Schumer, but I think what's most notable is they are terrified about this. They are so angry that this, this, all this information is going to come out and for, not for the hardcore people, but for, you know, the, the people that are kind of not as politically 
invested when they hear this. I mean, people already think the government is in, ineffective and it works against them. I mean, this is just another thing that's going to turn turn more people against the Democrats narrative. So they're freaked. Well, and in the when it rains, it pours category for the regime, its biggest high profile seditious conspiracy trial of five members of the Proud Boys completely imploded yesterday when an FBI agent, a government witness under cross-examination, was caught lying on the stand. Um, Witnesses have to turn over, and I'm not an attorney, but something called Jenks material. So this would be any correspondence, communications related to the case or what you're going to testify about. So um, Nicholas Smith, who is the defendant attorney representing Ethan Nordine and represents a couple of other J6 um, defendants, and he's a genius, um, caught this FBI agent um, concealing from the defense thousands of communications that were in a private chat group. I guess the FBI uses a, a platform called Links. So this is where FBI agents communicate about cases or um, discuss evidence, et cetera, et cetera. So she produced, I guess, about 26 rows on an Excel spreadsheet. Well, the defense found a thousand rows that had been withheld or concealed from defense counsel. Well, Nick Smith and his team found them and confronted her on the stand about it. Furthermore, what these concealed messages show is that she doctored and destroyed evidence, or this is what the text messages show. It's unclear whether she did or any other agents did either one. But there was one um, text that was on the concealed um, uh, list of evidence. Uh, Agent requests Special Agent Miller, this is the woman who testified, go to a CHS, which is an informant report, and edit out that I was present. Here's what the text message said. You need to go into that CHS report. You just put an edit out, edit out that I was present. Oh, jeez. Good Lord. Um, also, there was um, one other message that indicated that she uh, was told by her boss to destroy about 300 plus um items of evidence, and it's unclear if that was done as well, but it also turns out that FBI agents were discussing communications between one defendant and his attorney, violating attorney-client privilege, and was discussing the fact that this particular defendant planned to go to trial instead of accept a plea deal, and it's unclear if that was then communicated to the prosecutors in charge of the case. She specifically mentioned one of the um, assistant U.S. attorneys who's handling the case, Jason McCullough, in that communication, um, which is a violation of the Sixth Amendment rights. So now you have two uh, defense attorneys, Nick Smith, and then the attorneys representing Dominic Pizzola, the man who smashed a window with a riot shield, asking for the case to be dismissed based on Sixth Amendment violations. So uh, that's happening now. <laughs> Uh, the trial is wow. going on uh, this morning. What day is it? Thursday. Uh, and so we'll be updating that as well. Wow. That is, in a way, not surprising, but also surprising. I mean, that's just horrifying. 
Um, but if you can only extrapolate that that's happened many times, you know, many yes, times. Many times. Right. So very disturbing. Um, and like I said, probably not too much of a surprise to people who are paying close, close attention. Wow. Right. Well, I think that it's been an hour, Julie, which just went by really fast. Has it been an hour already? I think we're close to it. But yes, it did go fast because there's just so much going on. But I do think Tucker's going to continue to cover this. He had Sansley's lousy lawyer on last night. I believe he's supposed to have um, his new attorney, William Shipley, on. And it it looks like even Jacob Chansley's mother on Tucker tonight. So doesn't look like Chuck Schumer is getting his way. And when Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell, losers like Ken Kramer, Tom Tillis, Mitt Romney, all Republican senators condemned Tucker airing this footage. Um, They actually brought attention to it. So Tucker should be happy about that. Um, But it does not look like he is he's giving up an inch. No, and he and he shouldn't. Um, So thanks. Thank God that someone is doing this because we would never know. You know, we would never know any of this. And all of these people would be bullied into pleading to something or other, you know, and having not just political consequences in the sense that they're on probation or maybe have time in jail, but these people are getting, losing their bank accounts. They're losing friends and family or people who don't, or they're using their jobs. I mean, there's all sorts of consequences to this. We talked about this with Brandon Strzok when he was on um, shortly after he got off probation and was talking about all the things that he suffered. And again, he just pled to a misdemeanor and wasn't even inside the building. So Thank you for listening to us. Will Julia, we're going to be here next week. Yes. And I'm okay. sure we'll have lots more to cover on this topic <clears throat> for sure. We'll have even more. Um, and we may even have a special guest. We may, we're working on some awesome guests coming up. Yeah. So thank you for listening. And if you haven't already subscribed to us on iTunes and give us five stars, cause we're awesome. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.